All right, welcome to a podcast for the first time in way too many years. We are reunited in the brick room uh, to do a, a podcast for old time's sake and just for new time's sake as well. I'm joined on my right by David Prairie, who is now Dr. Prairie for the first time on the podcast. So congratulations there, David. And on my left by Nathaniel Haston, who is a assistant principal for the first time on this podcast. So my very accomplished guest with me, and uh, I'm working a basketball camp, if that's special. So um, I should let you guys lead. Um, we're going to do a, a sort of sequel to a podcast that we did before where we just asked each other rapid-fire random questions, uh, just trying to think creatively on our feet, and some of them are just for fun, maybe some of them a little more serious. But what's going to happen is uh, I'll start, I'll throw out a question, and we'll just go in a circle. David will answer, and then Nate will answer. And assuming if we have answers to our own questions, we'll answer. And then Dave will ask the next one. Then Nathaniel, and we'll keep it moving in a circle. Does that all sound good? You guys have anything preliminary to add? It's good to be back. Amen. It's good to be back. All right. So my first question actually uh, came from an experience I had just an hour ago, where I was walking into my brother's house and was paying attention to my keys and not paying attention to the fact that he had some hornets returned to a nest on his porch and one stung me on the leg and it was uh, rather annoying. And uh, so my thought was, what is the worst injury that you've ever had by an animal or insect or something created, some living creature? What's the worst a living creature has ever harmed you? Wow. I'll just warn our listeners now, the long pauses of thought that you're going to hear throughout this are because we've not rehearsed these, and so we'll, we'll speak as quickly as we can think, which is often, for me at least, not very quickly. Uh, man, okay, um, when we first got married, we... Um, not us, but you and your wife. Correct, I'm sorry. <laughs> when I was first married to my wife, to whom I'm still married, uh, we owned a cat... And uh, and the cat had this habit of um, so sometimes I, maybe you've seen videos where where cats will uh, when they jump to something they'll cling to it with their claws like maybe a curtain or furniture only she would do this just on on people so like onto your legs or something and so uh, multiple times this cat would would jump from the ground and latch her claws into my leg just uh i guess for entertainment i don't know would it then kind of slide down and scrape or would it just uh, no it would, it would stick yeah it was like it was like uh just you know gashes into the into the into the leg skin um what was the cat's name again well we've had uh, the, i think that cat was lucy yeah uh, we had another cat later on whose name i think was maybe sophie I'm going to assume that Brandy loved the cat because if it was just up to you, I'm assuming the cat wouldn't have been able to do it multiple times before being thrown out. Yeah, the cat was uh, any pet we've ever had has been her idea. I'm not anti-cat per se. I think cats probably can survive in the wild just fine. I don't know why they would need to live indoors with us. And I feel that way really about any animal. I'm with you. Nate? Um, so I've never had a uh, physical injury from an animal at all, but... Are we I, emotional? Emotional injuries? <laughs> yeah, this is a more of a meta, metaphysical. Um, but uh, I have... I had asthma when I was a child, 
uh, and it, it reoccurs only when I'm around pet hair. So um, growing up, my grandma in Murfreesboro, uh, for when we would go Christmas time in particular, always had like two cats in the home, and she got a dog for a long stretch that stayed inside. And like like clockwork, we would get up there, be excited, have dinner. It's Christmas time. The asthma would kick in. I couldn't hardly breathe. Uh, not like I go to the hospital, but it was noticeable. I had to go to Walgreens, get a Primatine Mist, which is an over-counter uh, inhaler thing, every year. Um, so I kind of have this um, hate-hate relationship with indoor animals because um, I'd never had one growing up. So I don't have that context, and then like it causes me to, to have trouble breathing and, and couldn't really sleep well. So nothing physical in that way, you know, scratches are broken, whatever. But like I had trouble breathing, and still actually do. I haven't had anything too terrible. In fact, I was almost tempted to say this hornet sting was about as bad as anything I've had. Uh, I think I got stung by a jellyfish when I was a little, uh, but maybe the, the most memorable story to me was almost similar to David's. Uh, I was at a friend's house. It was actually uh, Blake Sisk's house. And they had this oh, yeah. little yappy dog that hated me. Every time I went over there, it was just all oh, over yes. me, barking at me. And one time I was just talking, and I guess using my hands, my arms were extended, and it leapt up and bit my arm and just sort of latched on with its mm. teeth and hung there for a second. And I think I was in shock for a moment. I just kind of looked at it, and I just sort of went, I waved my arm around until it <laughs> came off, and I had like two fang marks. And fortunately, it wasn't like... Uh, too bad, I guess. I didn't like continuously bleed or anything, but I just had two little like holes in my arm from the dog biting me. His name was Risky, if I remember correctly. I think you're which correct. Which really tells you all you need to know about that dog. So if he was part of the family, was he like Risky Sisk? Risky Sisk? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he was. I, I never got along with him. And also, didn't they live just down the street from your, your home off Santa Cruz? Yeah. Or, that's not right. Uh, it was, well, it was I mean, of, uh, um, the yeah. highway and then yeah, whatever. Yeah. Stand for gaps. Yeah. Either way. So you're like kind of neighbors. Right. Street neighbors, I guess. Yeah. All right, Dave, you got a question that for us? That puts us one fifteenth into the show, <laughs> and we're six minutes in, so this is going to be awesome. Yeah, there was some right. introduction. The rapid, rapid fire is a misnomer. <laughs> everybody knows I'm it. stealing my first question uh, actually from the radio uh, show that I listened to on the way over here. Uh, today apparently is National French Friday. Uh, if you could make a Mount Rushmore of French fry, uh, you know where you get your French fries from. So top four places. If you could only eat French fries from four places in the world, uh, where, where would they be? Mount Mount Rushmore of French fries. All right, that's on the spot for sure. I'm going to go no particular order. That's fine. Although I think left to right. It's technically how it's supposed to go, Mount Rushmore. Sometimes people say far left, like far left on Mount Rushmore of fries is, you know, but I can, I need hours to deliver. I think you just made that up. Anybody? That's, no. That's, I had no idea there was an order to yeah, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I could also be wrong about that entirely. Uh, Zaxby's, I like the crinkle cut. Hmm. I used to be a no seasoning guy. Um, you get chicken finger plate, no coleslaw because, come on. And then double the fries because not extra cost and no seasoning. That was kind of like the roll off the tongue. But now I don't mind it so much. Um, so it's like pre-conversion and then conversion. It is. It yeah. is. Uh, there's a place downtown on Main Street called Slicks, which yeah. is a really good burger joint. Yeah. And they have truffle fries, which is an uh, oil from an expensive mushroom. I don't know. And there's Parmesan cheese on them, and they're super good. So I put that on the list. That's more of a, a hoity-toity fry. 
for sure. Um, I think that on the right day, I really enjoy Five Guys Fries. Mm -hmm. Not every time, but uh, mm -hmm. not that I would turn them down. Cajun or regular? I've never had Cajun fries okay. from. And uh, this is funny. We were just coming home on Main Street, and there is an old dilapidated abandoned Central Park, um, yeah. which I don't know if it's still a thing anymore. But uh, I remember thinking growing up, those like the best fries to get fast food. I don't know why they're a little different. Um, so I'll say just for nostalgia's sake, Central Park. I don't think I have very uh, creative answers. I, I'm a fan of the Chick-fil-A waffle fry. Okay. Uh, See, they're cold. I'm, they're terrible, though. Sometimes you get, I guess cold fries in general aren't very good, but right. occasionally you get a cold waffle fry. And I guess I, I'm assume thinking of them in peak I guess, form. Of course, Let's assume, I mean, uh, sure. That's, yeah, Max Freshness yeah, here. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm a big fan of McDonald's fries. Yeah. Uh, even though McDonald's is about the most generic thing you can get, their fries are usually good. Uh, there's a place in Philadelphia we've gone to called Chickies and Pete. Uh, though, honestly, I think really the appeal there is this cheese sauce they give you with it that yeah, that makes very it. Good. Um, hmm. That's yeah, a great answer. And I'm trying to come up with a fourth, and uh, for some reason, there's nothing's nothing's jumping out to me. So, sorry if I've only got three. No, all good. Uh, so I would say uh, Five Guys. I'm, I'm gonna steal a little bit from Nate here first. Five Guys and Slicks to me are very similar, but it's their you know they'll cut their own potatoes. It's very fresh. Uh, yeah, I like, that's I true. like those a lot. I, I I also think I have to put McDonald's in there, um, just because I don't know if you can beat their fries. Now I'll, I'll say a couple. Uh, you went uh, Central Park, which I thought was a good call. I really like Checkers fries. Those are it's a similar, very similar, yeah. but uh, just as as uh, greasy and salty as you could ever want. And I'll also say uh, Arby's curly fries. I was wondering if those were going to get a mention because yeah, I know yeah. those are sort of a favorite of. Yeah. There's a certain demographic that those yeah. are. I will tell beer. you, Armando's is pretty good. The crinkle, yeah. crinkle cut Armando's. Okay. I'm not a potato wedge guy though. The, well, the thick, the thick fries, like the steak fries. I mean, I love steak fries, but yeah, they're a thicker, more yeah, potato yeah, yeah. Um, See, crinkle fries are just okay to me. So when you said Zaxby's, it's actually my favorite yeah. kind. That's interesting. Uh, I really don't like steak and shake fries because hmm. it takes. A handful to feel like you're having a fry. To me, they're they're almost too small. Uh, not that they taste bad, because they don't. So you don't like fries that are too small or too big, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gotta be. that's right. Size <laughs> matters. Yeah, that makes sense, Goldilocks. <laughs> <laughs> I can own that. I really can. Um, okay, my turn. Uh, okay, the thirty for thirty. You're still waiting on. Oh, man. 30 for 30, I'm still waiting on. I think uh, it's this is maybe not uh, really 30 for 30 worthy, and maybe nobody else will find it that interesting, but I would love to see a 30 for 30 that's just behind the scenes of when the Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat in the NBA championship. I think because people already forget what, what a like media storm that Miami Heat team was, the favorite from the day they were all assembled. It was their first year, right? It was, and... The Mavericks weren't even expected to get out of the West, and it was it was just a great surprise uh, sort of redemption story for Dirk. Weren't they down 0-2? Uh, was that? I think they were down 2-1. I think they were down 2-1, and then won the next three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I would just love to see lots of behind-the-scenes footage of you know mm -hmm. just what it was like being with the Mavericks during that. What it was like being the Heat if they were you know 
in their locker room and their practices. So I think that's a 30 for 30 I'd like to see. And that was the season where once they lost, LeBron was like, I played the villain card. I played up to being the villain. Now I'm just going to go back to having fun playing basketball. That was all his media stuff. And then he went two in a row. Yes, he know, did. Um, which plays in the narrative that the shift in his mindset mattered, you know. Yeah. So whether Which, or not that means anything, that was that season where he was like the bad guy. And he lit, you know, he had no joy in basketball, apparently, for a year and all that. And just as an aside, it's it's so weird to think back uh, when that Heat team came together and realized that they didn't even end up being the team of the decade. That the Golden State Warriors have overshadowed mm -hmm. overshadowed them. Even already won more championships than that Heat team did. And when the Heat were together. And basically, ESPN was dedicated to the Heat as far as basketball coverage goes, and then they didn't even end up being the team that of the decade. Interesting. So, when was the first Heat team? This it was season of eleven, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Oh, the, the fall of ten. Yeah. Yeah. So they started the decade out. They did four straight finals. Mm -hmm. yeah. Appearances. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess right, technically, right, right. I mean, though, you would probably say LeBron's the player of the decade, considering he's been in the finals every finals of this decade, yeah. but just with different franchises. Sure. Uh, that's. But them not being the team of the decade, I think, is is still yeah, that's shocking. A great angle. Yeah. yeah. That's a good call. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and say two. One would be very obvious. Uh, 2016 Cubs. For yeah, sure. That's that's probably in the making somewhere. Uh, the other one I think maybe even uh, as interesting would be uh, the rise of Butler basketball and uh, how it's, you know especially that first year where they made a run to the championship, so 2009-2010, and uh, how they've maintained um, and you know maybe even give some backstory before that to Thad Mata and Brad Stevens and what they, the groundwork that was laid there and the culture that was there uh, and how that kind of peaked in 2010, 2011, but then has been maintained uh, and then to a strong extent even now. Didn't one of the key guys in that run pass away a couple years ago? Yeah. I mean, I could Yeah, I they, came well, they had but... actually, um, so was it Andrew, Andrew Mil Smith? Andrew Smith, that's right, it was his name. Uh, who who played I think on the 2011 championship team a pretty big role, who yeah I think it was two summers ago passed away yeah and they actually had another player who was kind of before that era. Uh, his name I think I think his last name is Cornette, something like that. Anyway, he also passed away I think maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm. So yeah, th that would be a neat and angle. He'll get also. tied in, I'm sure. Yeah, from the from the way that they have uh, kind of the family dynamic that's there. Uh, and how how those guys through their lives and deaths maybe have you have affected yeah. players past and present. And of yeah. course, Brad going to the pros and yep. then Hayward winding up and then getting hurt in the first quarter. I mean, you know, you could yep. go all the angles are there. Uh, I think for me, it, it stays close to home, and it is probably the Tennessee era post Fulmer. So, like, and specifically the coaches. Um, because they're each just so wacky in their own way. And it would be a super depressing uh, 30 for 30, I think. It would be called Following Fulmer. Yeah. Um, also, wacky might be a compliment. Uh, <laughs> to, yeah. To it's a, this is a family podcast. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you know, go, like, on his last game. Like, that's where I'd start, I think. And then how they how, how and why they picked Kiffin. And then... How that all went, and then Dooley, and then 
really the zoo that became the search after Jones you know, yeah. was fired or whatever, yeah. and like how it lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks, and should have been 10 days or whatever, you know. Yeah. Because I think there's probably, if they could really dig and get access, there's so much that people have speculated on that may or may not be true. Um, but if it is true, it's like, it was just a crazy thing to, to live through, you know. Um, kind of forget how the new guy does. It, it does matter, but not for that, you know. It's just so tumultuous. Um, so I think that's right out, I would say. And good title, Falling Fulmer, that's. That's, that's good. All right, well, my next question is going to keep us in the sports realm, and honestly, David has already referenced it. I figured I'd tee him up for this one. Uh, last time we did this, I asked, what was your favorite sports championship by a team that wasn't your favorite team? And I'm just going to ask generically now, uh, including all teams, what is your favorite sports championship? And I'm going to put the caveat that you didn't have a personal relationship to just as a fan. It's not like when my, not when we coached like a junior high team to a championship, but okay. a, just as a fan, what was your favorite sports championship? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've always already referenced it. So, I would even start, though, I think, um, so the Cubs won the series in 2016, but the 2015 season was was the kind of the perfect setup season for it because they had so much young talent that was coming in. Chris Bryant was a rookie. Kyle Schwarber was a rookie. Um, Arietta um, won the Cy Young that year, so you could tell he was kind of in his prime. Kyle Hendricks was the first pitcher. Anyways, the point is they they were most people thought they were a year away from being really good. Well, they were really good that year. Uh, they won almost 100 games, but played in the you know the wild card game. Had to play it on the road, uh, and and just was um, it was one of those games where Schwarber hit a home run, you know, a million feet. Arietta pitched a, a complete game shutout. So then they then they so then they have to play a series and they beat the Cardinals. Um, then they then so they're they're a series away from the World Series that year. You know when they're supposed to be a whole season away, and they and they came up uh, short against the Mets. So that kind of set the stage to where you're thinking, okay, 2016 probably was going to be good anyway, but it could be like historically really good. And then the fact that it was uh, was just about, about the most satisfying way you could have well, scripted it. And as though it wasn't going to be enough drama on its own with the Cubs being in the World Series, the final game couldn't have had any more drama. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, the Game 7 uh, was it's, was a uh, kind of a legendary game in itself, for sure. And even the fact that, you know, like the fourth game of the season, Schwarber tears his ACL and doesn't play at all, but then gets called up and put on the World Series roster. Yeah, that was, that was great. <laughs> and hit over 300. Anyways, yeah, that's an easy answer for me. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I Probably the uh, Stanley Cup Washington Capitals this year. No, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really trying to string a sentence together. But <laughs> I think last time we did this, you said something about soccer in the same vein. <laughs> Is that even the right uh, trophy in hockey, Stanley Cup? Sure. <laughs> I think it is. I guess it would be the 95 Braves. But even then, I'm not trying to be a parrot, but but uh, the 91-92 seasons for the Braves built, of course, the 95, and Chipper was a rookie that year, and, and all the pitching we had. And, and it was just – but I was young. You know, we were 8, 9, 10 back then. So, weirdly enough, Turner Sports Media Conglomerate put out these um, – 
like I like VHS tapes. Um, so like in '92 for '91, '93 for '92, yeah. and I watch those over and over as if I. So like my memories of those teams are just of the VHS tapes, you know. Um, plus what I do remember right from the games. And there was, of course, one for 95. There were two. They actually made two for 95, one just for the series and one for the season. But uh, so I, you know, I grew up on Honoring Johnson Sr. and Pete Van Weeren and, and the guys narrating the season and Joe Simpson. And, uh, anyway, so be the, the 95 Braves. Mine would be, probably not surprisingly, the 2008 Boston Celtics, um, the only Celtics championship that I was old enough to really be aware of and watch. Um, you know, they won some when I was a toddler, but uh, really enjoyed that 2008 championship team. Yeah. David, just out of curiosity, before the Cubs won, would your answer have been uh, Tennessee's national championship? I thought maybe there would be a slight chance you would feel conflicted uh, between the two. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I would say for sure it probably would have been. And I mean, not that that's any less special. I would say actually what's, what is uh, even, I mean, that was, well, I'm stuttering. I know it's just terrible to do on a podcast. But, yeah, the 98 Tennessee team, two significant memories for me about that, if I may. Uh, you know, they uh, Peyton had just graduated, so you're actually thinking, well, they'll slide back now. Regression year, yeah. And they actually won the whole thing, and, and it was, that was, that was interesting. I think, um, they hadn't beaten Florida in so long. And then when they beat Florida, like, the second game of the season, it was like, oh, man, they can actually beat everybody on their schedule. Because for a while, they'd, they'd only lose one or two games. Even when Peyton was there, they'd only lose one or two games a year, but they'd always lose to Florida. So then when they beat Florida, it was kind of like, man, they could go undefeated. And then they obviously did. The other thing that was special about that to me was that was the season right before my dad passed away. So we were watching those games with him, and, and uh, having that experience with him was uh, obviously really special. Yeah. That's the uh, Arkansas game, right? The stumble, fumble, yeah. Clint Sterner. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I've shared this before, but we were out running errands, and I would, like, run out to the car and turn the radio on every so many minutes. To, yeah. And we kept – we were behind. And, we, you yeah. know, I was like, it's getting later in the game and whatever. And uh, so we got home. My dad had taped it for us, again, on VHS. And uh, I was like, I don't even want to watch it. I'm so upset, you know, because I, I know we lost. And – so he knew we had won and didn't tell me. He was like, hey, just just watch it. You know, I should have known then. It's like, fine, fine. And so then, of course, the guy trips and fumbles for no reason, and we, we take it in and score if you play later and win. It's, yep. Never forget that. That was, a, that was the ultimate John Ward send-off, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, um, moving on. Um this, this one's multifaceted, so I'll, I'll try to ask it in a, in a way that you can give a somewhat concise answer. Uh, would you rather there be a book or movie about your life? And with whichever one you choose, if you choose book, who would you want to write it? If you choose movie, what actor would you want to play yourself? That's funny. Uh, I was going to ask the same thing, uh, almost word for word. Okay. So uh, that's that's really cool. Um, so I would say. And you can you can say both. So like if you want to say, well, for the book I'd want so and so, and for the movie I'd pick. Then I have to be or, but I'm gonna mix it up. Go ahead. And I don't want to steal from you, but uh, I would say movie, but I pick the person to write the movie rather than okay, that, you know. So it'd be Aaron Sorkin, 
which I'm sure. You're not stealing from me, but you you knew what I said. Yeah, that was I, definitely going to be my answer, too. So I, and we can share them, you know. <laughs> enough of Sorkin to go around. But uh, I think it would just be what would be a pretty dry film about my life because not much has happened to me. <laughs> he, he could spice it up a little, I think, so. And uh, maybe I could get to meet him then, too. Like, if, he's, if I'm the source material and I'm still alive, like, you know, I might get to meet him in that way, yeah. so. Um, yeah, so I think that's how I would go. Um, and uh, I guess to, to the book thing, if, if someone wrote a book about my life, it would be a guy named Eric Larson who wrote a book called Devil in the White City, which is about uh, Chicago in the 1880s and uh, uh, serial killer, America's first serial mm -hmm. killer. And uh, it's a, like, the best book I ever read. And he, he writes history books, but they feel like fiction. They're just so well-researched and well-written. It's like you think it's a fake story, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that... So to me, he's like the Sorkin of historical writing, which is super nerdy. But uh, so I guess I can go both. Um, yeah, yeah, I would go movie. I would go written by Sorkin. And if I had to have an actor play me, um, you know, I'd want Brad Pitt. But that doesn't make any sense. And it would probably logically be like Topher Grace because he's <laughs> the person I've been most often told. Oh, it's uh, Chris Evans, man. You know what? I'll take Chris Evans too. But it's just it wouldn't be who I want um, because. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a leading man handsome, so I'm more of a guy who was in a completely sitcom. Dis completely disagree so. with that, but. That's all right. What about you, Dave? Interesting. Uh, you know, if I was going to, if I was going to say book, um, selfishly, I'd probably want to write an autobiography, but that seems a little conceited. Uh, if I was, uh, if it was going to be somebody else, I might pick Ian Murray. Ian Murray's a, um, kind of a, a, uh, Christian biographer who has done, um, some modern, uh, I guess you'd think of as modern, so like Martin Lloyd-Jones, he did a biography on him. I don't know, actor, that would, I don't know. The only comparison I, that I have gotten that I was moderately flattered about was Johnny Depp. Uh, and I don't even remember who said that or why. It might not. Even, they might not even meant it as a compliment. But I did not think you were going to say Johnny Depp. I 100% so, didn't see that coming. I'm not even. I don't know. I'm not. Who told you that? I honestly don't remember. I think it was a long time ago. Interesting. So uh, I was always told I looked like the guy at the OC. Yeah, I was trying to remember his name. Show that, um, Adam Brody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you when say you say that. I actually more recently, I forgot, I had forgotten this until just now. Um, you, you watched the BBC show Sherlock? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So the guy who plays Moriarty. Okay. Uh, so Conchetta and Elizabeth. Apparently, the whole Swan family has told me that I that I favor him. That's, I don't know the dude's name. I don't either. Have you seen that show? Yeah, that's a fantastic show. Yeah, it's I tremendous. Um, and I yeah, I can see that certainly more than than Depp. Uh, that one makes makes a lot of sense. I'll look him up. I'll see what his name is. Um, okay. Question two. I can cross off movie who plays you. Um, <laughs> I will keep it in the movie realm, though, uh, and say a film or multiple films that have made you cry. And what was the reason? Well, I don't, I don't cry in movies. Um, not saying that to sound tough, but just, 
I get emotional in movies, though, and so I'll okay, answer it as okay. what movies have gotten sure. me emotional. That's really what I'm getting at, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and uh, the one popping in my head is most recently was the movie Lion, um, which was based on a true story about a boy from India who got uh, accidentally kind of swept across India on a train, couldn't find his family, didn't know where he's from, how to get back, got adopted by parents in Australia, I believe, and then uh, as an adult, it kind of hits him really hard that he's still lost. Um, and so he goes on this like long quest through Google Maps to try to trace back and find where he's from and eventually at the end gets is able to get back to this village and finds his mom still living there and it's you know when they finally come together I, I was I didn't cry uh, but I was emotional enough I did that like <gasps> you know like that <laughs> even breathing like get it together Jeremy um, so that was an emotional one for me and then honestly sports movies get me um, so I was, the one I always bring up is Friday Night Lights at the end after they lose the game and the dad uh, who's had the rough relationship with the son the whole movie comes down and grabs him and takes off his state championship ring and slides it on the son's finger that one that one gets me a little emotional every time is that Tim McGraw's character? that is I feel like you just ruined my moment though by bringing up that it was Tim McGraw no it was Tim McGraw and Garrett scene. Hedlund yeah. it's a great scene it's actually more like kudos to Tim McGraw. He could pull that off. It's, yeah, it was it was the best he's been in a movie that I've seen. Not that I've seen so many Tim McGraw movies. There are two, I think. So the Blind Side. Yeah, that's yeah. the only other so one I, I can think yeah. of. <laughs> anyway, football movies, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. When I think football, <laughs> first and foremost, I think Tim McGraw. Total side note: guy's name is Andrew Scott. Uh, I, I can see it completely. He's an Irish actor. Um, and he's great as Moriarty. He's very, have you ever seen that show? I've not said? seen it. Oh, it's, so it's worth your time. Yeah. Uh, he he actually played. This is somewhat interesting. Uh, in Alice Through the Looking Glass, starring Johnny Depp. So there you go. Two degrees of separation. Um, you know, I also am. Uh, I I don't remember specifically crying during a movie I really don't um, but on the, on the more emotional side I guess um, in a in a childish sort of way Toy Story 3 I say I say childish totally legitimate I say childish in the sense that I mean uh, the first one came out when I was a child the third one came out when I was an adult and it was it was neat anyways I, I don't know. Totally um, when they're clasping hands in the yeah, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> How do you not get a little no, weepy? I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was it actually was kind of sincere. I thought the way that they were willing to, as it were, again in a, in a child movie kind of way, face death together. See, I'm on board with you guys. Like to me, that was the emotional part of the movie. But most people I've talked to, it sounds like it was the ending that got them emotional when he hands off the toys to the next. And that one didn't get me, but them. The trash yeah. compactor incinerator. Yeah. That's that's the emotional yeah. scene to me. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I think um, there are certain things. I, I'm a I'm a Lord of the Rings movie fan, and so I think there are certain things about that that mm -hmm. I that are that are gripping emotionally. Sure. So. Uh, so I have cried in films. Um, most famously, although only to myself, so famously is probably the wrong <laughs> adjective. Um, was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the 1970s British film, uh, not the more recent ones, when the mom is stirring the starch and Charlie uh, doing the laundry in like a pot of starch and 
Charlie wants a ticket and everything in his life is crappy and she's like she cheer up Charlie is the song and she sings it as he's walking down the alley and the next scene he gets it you know uh, yeah. obviously the way the movies work and uh, I remember being young and that making me cry because I felt bad for him and it's a sad song um, also I think the name of that film was actually Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory oh what did I say you said Charlie which is the remake title I think also the book title there you go. So uh, okay. I don't know why I said that. But that's the movie. The Gene Wilder film. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's the only Willy Wonka that I'll acknowledge. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then more recently, I think, is a film I actually watched with Jeremy a couple summers ago called Room. About uh, actually, yeah, that's good a one. mom who, well, a lady who essentially is kidnapped and um, mistreated and ends up having a baby and then raises that baby in like a eight by eight garage essentially and and there's a window in the ceiling but no, not on any of the walls and uh, so she makes as he becomes older and can like speak and talk and ask questions like that is his world this garage or whatever this room and then the, the guy that kidnapped her interacts with her you know throughout the, the film and then she they kind of I, mean, I guess you know spoilers are, are out the window now, but they, they escape. But even that is very tense. It's so like when they finally do get free, the movie's not over, but like that part of it is over, and you forget that you've been like on the edge of your seat, hardly breathing for what feels like an hour and a half. I mean, it's really. Have you seen that movie? I mean, it's so like it's gut wrenching. I have not. I mean, a it's moments, it's yeah. absolutely. I think she won best actress for it. Right, right room. Okay, it's from a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago, but. Um, Anyway, so obviously as a dad, you know, I mean, yeah, but that gets you pretty, like, in an obvious way. But then I was thinking, we watched it without, we were in Philadelphia, we watched it with, without Gabriel and Charlize, they were in bed, and I was thinking about Gabriel wanting to see this movie, you know, because it is victorious, you know, she, but, like, I could imagine being a mother and watching that movie, because even more um, directly, so I... <clears throat> Told her all about it the next day. I was like, I think you would hate this movie and love it, you know, and, and she's never seen it. So for me, that's probably the most recent one that was just... The other one, which is in the middle, is I Am Sam. Have you seen that with Sean Penn? I have um, not seen it. And he has a daughter. Who, I know what it's... Yeah, yeah, what it's about is he's got... Yeah, he's got a mental issue. Yeah, and it's like so a it's like custody, a court case. Yeah, yeah a custody issue. And that they... Oof. That one's, that one's tough. But anyway. All right, so my next question... Uh, Actually, I don't think I don't think I'll have any idea how you guys are going to answer this. Uh, even though I would have been around and known you guys when this would have taken place, but uh, what I want to know is when you were dating your wives, like early stages, uh, long before engagement or marriage, what was the best date that you took them on? Were you like you you hit a home run where you would sit young people down and say, "Listen here, this is this is how you do it." <laughs> uh. Wow, you know that's. I'm actually looking for notes myself. Of what's happening? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, the caveat would be we started dating. Well, I guess similar to your situation. I mean, you, we we actually started dating um, officially when we were seniors in high school. So I think I and and if it's if it's possible even to imagine, I think I was less romantic then than I am now, which is barely possible so I, I'm really not I really need to take notes from Nathaniel on this probably um, 
I don't know, man. I really. <laughs> I don't even know. How, I don't even know how she would answer that. <laughs> that's that's. I'd love bad. to find out. That's yeah. pretty bad. Um, I I don't know. I I mean, we didn't. We didn't really do anything extravagant. I really. I mean, we were at each other's houses a lot. So I think. I think. You know, it was cool, like for her to spend holidays with my family or something like that. It's not really a date, not and not really even romantic, I guess. But the, it was meaningful for me, I guess, because that was sort of confirmation that I that it was a solid and healthy relationship I think but I don't know I, I mean okay well I took her I remember going to like UT football games with her I don't know how she thought about, or felt about that well it's amazing she didn't pro- propose to you after <laughs> yeah, that right, that's... Right. Yeah, thanks <laughs> but, uh, I don't know I mean I'm that's a great question and I'm not a good answer of that question Sorry, I feel like now I feel bad, like I've set you up for failure. <laughs> so, uh, I was always a big gesture kind of guy, um, and we did start dating senior year. So, a couple that come to mind, we would always, um, so we would, I, I guess, take, if we would be date, doing, uh, having a date in the East Brainerd area, uh, you know, at dinner or movie or whatever, we would take what we call the long way home, which is like, um, I don't even know, Ringgold, down to Old Ringgold, and then like up Ringgold Road, and you come out by what is now where Mike, you know, Camp Jordan, where Mike used to, where he grew up, and then, yeah. like, we could get yeah. home in like 30 more minutes, but, you know, it's romantic, and we'd put music on and, you know, hold hands and talk and whatever, and we'd stop along the way, and we would, I remember one time I asked her, junior, senior, we were dancing in an empty church parking lot um, one night on the way home, and that was kind of our thing, we, you know, if we had the time, we would take the long way home, and, uh, um, that was always really fun. And one time in college, she was UTC uh, doing a music thing, and we were going out afterwards. So I just took her down there and like wait around downtown until she was done. And I would go back and pick her up, and we'd go wherever we were going to go. Well, I decided to pick her up in a horse and carriage, and so I rented a, a horse and carriage ride. And she obviously didn't know, and then I... I'm sorry, can I borrow your pen? <laughs> and I uh, coordinated it, so they started... No, I'm using it. <laughs> they started the aquarium, and they got to go up and down, you know, like seven or eight blocks and come back. It's like 30 minutes. So I coordinated where I said, if you can get dropped off at X Street, you know, I can't make it, whatever, I, whatever lie I told. And then... So basically, like, in a movie, she was on Fifth Street, and I'd come up in this horse's carriage, and, you know, she got in, and we rode the rest of the way. She was, I imagine, pretty tickled by that. Yeah, I mean, that was really pretty special. Um, that was pr- pretty neat. And uh, and to me, like, that wasn't planned. I just was waiting around for her to get out. I thought, what, what would be kind of... I was sitting in the steps, you know, at the aquarium, like the water and the benches, and I saw, like, the hub of the buggy, you know, where they park and wait for you to come and pay. So I walked down to the ATM and got the money because I didn't have any cash and came back and was kind of nervous, like, what if this doesn't go well, that I've just, like, blown X amount of money on what ends up being just like nice thought you know but it worked like perfectly and so that made it pretty great so that's that's mine it's awesome i don't uh, this is one where i don't really have an answer um other than to say one time i was hanging out with a girl who uh, i did like and uh she i think somewhat liked me back and i found out she had not seen the show this was when the show how i met your mother was still on she had not seen it before so i bought her season one so we hung out and watched a lot of the season together, so that was a cool way. I, I don't like going out and doing a lot of uh, fancy or expensive things, so buying uh, a season of a show I liked just like 
perfect excuse to sit around and, and watch TV together. So that was that's awesome. Yeah, I I don't know if my answer needs any more clarification. Probably not. But I, it, for a thousand reasons, it's a miracle my wife married me, and that would be one of them. I think I do think I've improved in the dating aspect since I've been married. Does that matter to her though? Because some girls it doesn't matter to. So if you did those things. Cool, but if you didn't, it's not like, why don't you date me anywhere? And not like you talking about currently or like when I'm just saying it like before, yeah, like, just in general. And I'm not saying Gabriel's like she's not high maintenance anyway. It's just like those were things she appreciated. Yeah. So I tried to every once in a while do something like that. Um, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, she. I don't think it was a hindrance at all. I don't think she ever felt let down. Like, why don't we do anything special? Like, I think for her, she probably would say the Loki things that we did were, yeah. More special. That's what so I mean. I, so you're speaking her language by being so quality time was hopefully. probably her love language, yeah, and just so. by having her around you yeah. involved in your daily activities was more so. of a yeah. a gesture. You were specifically okay. asking about before we were married, and like I, yeah. I, honestly, there's nothing I could t- I could tell you things since we've been married, at places we've gone, or moments. But anyways, yeah, yeah. that's not what you're asking. It's a good question. Well, yeah, I didn't mean it's to good, validate those. It's just you know, sometimes when you're early in dating and you really want to impress, you you do something. Abnormal, so. And you should. Yeah. I, and I should have. <laughs> uh, here we go. Two-part question again. Uh, city you've never visited but really want to, and city you've visited but you wouldn't care to go back. Hmm. Okay. Um. Hmm. Could be American. Could be. Okay. Yeah. American. Uh. I've been to St. Louis mm-hmm. to a Cardinals game, and mm-hmm. actually with Gary Turner and Brendan Murphy, <laughs> which is pretty random. The year that McGuire, you know, hit yep. however many hit, and I guess Sosa did too. But anyway, so that was kind of cool. To, but I, you know, I had no desire to go back and see the arch, or yep. you know, that's a grown up. I, um, one I've never been to, I'd like to go to. Was that? Um, hmm. Well, my thing is, one of my like bucket lists is to visit all the presidential libraries, and there are um, three in Texas, both Bushes and Lyndon Johnson, and so I don't know what cities like Arlington, maybe in Dallas. I don't so like maybe yeah. a Texas road trip where, just to do those things because that would be fun to me. So that's yeah. kind of skirt around your answer. But the other one would have been Seattle, but I've been there and I'd like to go back, so that doesn't really okay. fit fit your question. So. Gotcha. I think uh, I would like to go to Boston because it's embarrassing enough that I'm a big Boston Celtics fan and I don't even live there, but I've never even been there. That's uh, that's a little more embarrassing. Of course, I would love to catch uh, a Celtics game yeah. if I were in Boston, mm-hmm. but I think just even to see the city of my favorite sports team would be would be appropriate. As far as a city that I've been to and wouldn't care to go back to, I'm going to be honest, I'm just not much of a city person, so I, I don't feel like I've ever had great experiences going to cities. Uh, I'd be more than happy to never go back to Atlanta. Uh, just because the number of times I've had to battle traffic in Atlanta, yeah. and so I guess that'll be my answer. Is it raining? It sounds like it's pouring. Would you guys like to carry on this way? I go pull up the windows from the car. <laughs> Terrific. What's uh, your answer, Dave? You know, my answer is um, honestly, I, as I was thinking about this, I, most of the big cities I've ever been to, I actually really have enjoyed them. So I don't know that there's one that I would uh, refuse to go back to when, when I think of big cities that I've been to. Um, 
this probably doesn't count. This for sure doesn't even answer my own question. But I, if I never went to the beach again, I'd be okay. I'm not really a beach guy. I agree. Uh, in fact, I'd much rather visit cities than visit like beaches as far as a vacation or a um, just to travel at all. I was going to say my ideal vacation is to go to a big city, yeah. whether it's new or not, and explore and, yeah. and see things. I'm and, the same way. Um, so, so that's that's not really even answering it, I guess. But um, you know, I, there there actually are probably a ton that I haven't been to uh, that I would like to go to. As far as especially abroad, I'd really want to go like uh, this is these are not cities. I understand that, but uh, I would like to go to to Ireland and Scotland and some of the cities over in that part of the world, Dublin and play play the course at St Andrews. Did they let anybody play there? I doubt it. Oh. For sure, not me. Paying <laughs> up money, they probably would, but. Yeah, that's a good show them up and be like, uh, Johnny Depp would like a tea time, and then you show up there. Just throw on a bunch of necklaces and some weird mascara and a scarf or something, I don't know. Nate? Uh, Okay. Best non-sports-related memory from high school. You get the most nostalgic about this in high school. It could be... You know, funny or a teacher moment that, like, hey, that was stuck with me. You know, serious. So, you mean not just our high school years, but actually at school? Is that what you Your high school age. Okay, high school age. Like 13 to 17, basically. But it can't be sports related. Oh, my goodness. High school was not my prime years. Um, Me either. So. I'm waiting to hit the prime years. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It definitely wasn't then. For sure. I can tell you that. That way that biography can really pick up some <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> The first 30 chapters have been like pretty dull. <laughs> pretty dull. Right. I'm, I, it is sad how desperately I'm scrambling for good memories from high school, uh, at least that are story worthy, um, because obviously my best memories are just uh, hanging out with friends in pretty low-key circumstances. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any any story out there anywhere of something I did that was fun and out of the ordinary. Um, also, it's sad for me at least how difficult this question becomes when you remove it can't be sports that's, related. That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> or when you add that it can't yeah. be sports related. I'm sorry. So, uh, it's, so you know, this is probably not great because it doesn't even involve really anything that I did so much as when... Uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers came out in theaters. I remember whatever was going on in school, it came out right around Christmas time, so I'm guessing it was like first semester exams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a senior, and I guess I had a free like block of time during the day, so I went down to uh, the theater and stood in a line that went around you know, the corner of the building to get tickets for that movie that afternoon. It was a Wednesday, um, and got like four tickets. I did, did either of you go with me to that? I don't remember who went with me to that. Uh, uh, I didn't. Except for that randomly. I remember uh, Amy Maples was one of them because that was random. It was easy to remember. It was two of my friends and then Amy Maples because we talked about it in like our Western Civ class or something. And, uh, she was one of my classmates in there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, And I just remember it being like this mind-blowing movie experience. You know, So I had the whole experience of waiting in line for, to buy tickets for me and my friends, going to the movie, and then we had youth group that night coming back and just telling everybody about, like, oh, man, you got to see this yeah. this movie in the theater. That's a great one. So. 
that's that's like the exact thing I'm thinking of. Like that kind of never forget. Um. So my a lot of my uh, I think standout memories from high school actually are are church related. If they're not sports related, they're church related. So I probably one of the big reasons that I well, I know for sure one of the big reasons I even got into youth ministry at all was because my own experience as a uh, teenager in youth group was so you know it, it was what it was it was so formative and all that so I I think uh, youth retreats youth mission trips collectively I don't know that one really stands out above the others but those kind of events for me um, are things that I, I have somewhat vivid memories of even even still more so than than a lot of things that happened uh, like say in a class or 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 something like that at school I have two quickly one freshman year there was a kid who I, he and I didn't get along all through middle and and upper elementary and he always kind of picked at me and I was kind of a, an easy target and one day in uh, a class I just kind of snapped and lost it and not that I had the ability to beat anybody up but I did my very best and I think I surprised him enough where he kind of fell that backwards on the ground and I just kind of like slapped at him it was I'm sure horrific well the teacher was out of the room and he came back by the room and saw what I was doing and kept walking <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of interrupting it and then he came back a few minutes later and you know we got sent to the office and when I got to the office Mr. Turner the workers back then were on a triplicate form you know and so like you had to sign it, and they mailed home a copy so your parents got it. And on my work crew, it said, see me after school, not, like, start your work crew by such a time, or how did you, well, you can't yeah. buy at school. So I signed mine, and it could be the other guy said the same thing, but I, I got the feeling like he got a, he actually got one, and, and I didn't. So I went, I went after school, and he was like, hey, you can't fight in school, but he had to come in, so, you know, it's all right. <laughs> and I just felt like that was an adult taking a teaching moment and seeing what was really going on, you know, instead of like overreacting to what clearly wasn't anything troubling, you know, looking back as a teacher now, you know, the other one is the same principle. So I used to, um, Jeremy and I used to actually film the basketball games before Jeremy was playing the basketball games. And so I did the girls games and he did the guys games and, uh, we would travel with the teams and, and, you know, set up our equipment and whatever. And, and so we would go to, you know, away games and stuff. So one night... Can I just interrupt and say, yeah, uh, kids these days are spoiled with how compact equipment is. Because we were lugging around. Just, we had a small TV screen Yeah, so you could see heavy. what you were doing. Yeah, and and all, all the wires cords, to plug yeah. in. Yeah, was, On VHS tapes, they had to label correctly. And actually, yeah. one time during a championship run, and, and when we were sophomores, which made the, the Bass sisters were seniors, um, I taped over a game. And I had to tell Mr. Compton, and I thought he... I mean, he handled it very kindly, but I thought he was going to kill me because, like, he watched those tapes, and they were super good, and, like, what have I done? And I, anyway, um, he was gracious about it. So I came back late from Copper Basin, and Mark Turner was my ride home, but he had to do the trash. As the principal, he also ran the trash when he was around. So he was like, hey, get in the trash truck and go pick up some stuff, and, and I couldn't drive. I didn't know how to drive. He's like, it's fine. Just turn the key and put it in. Just, it's fine. I was like, okay, so I get in the trash truck, which, you know, is not nice, but it serves a purpose, and uh, got stuck on the side of a um, slope, like a bed of grass or whatever, and I couldn't find, there was no light, you know, so you open the door, 
there was no I couldn't find how to get out so like the handle so I was freaking out because I you know I didn't know what I was doing and I was kind of sideways so I it was over <laughs> in my mind exaggerated like I'm going to flip this thing over you know and uh I couldn't put it in reverse to get. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, and so I finally got out and I ran to him. I was like, oh, what was like? and he's like laughing, you know, because it was no big deal. But to me, I was like, I, you know, I'm gonna die in this truck um, with this trash everywhere. And uh, so when I see that spot out by what is now the the ticket booth, um, uh, that's what I think of. But so those are mine. That's great. Sort of me now. How are you? Perfect. We're gonna go not so uh, not so distant history, but what is the best book you've read in the last year? Let's just say you know, starting if you went back a year from this date. <clears throat> I know I'm with with actual readers, so hope you guys have some good ones to choose from. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've I so I'll uh, I I didn't read a, enough. I didn't read a lot until about May. Because I was so busy with writing my own book, essentially book type thing, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this summer I've I've done a good bit of reading. Um, I have read um, there. There's one. There's one really. I guess I'll. I guess I'll name. Wow. Well, it's actually hard to limit it. I feel like I've read a number of good, short, readable books that have all been really helpful. So. If I, if I had to pick one, probably probably one called um, How the Nations Rage. So it's a book on uh, faith and politics and their relationship that actually is, has been really... Hmm. And it's it's fairly new. It just came out this past spring. So I, I feel like I've heard about it from some places. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually very, very good. And I, I don't normally think very politically about things, so that was helpful for me to think both politically and biblically about issues. And... Um, I've read I've read a couple others that you know just a, a book about missions that was really helpful a book about um, biblical prophecy that was really helpful because uh, I'm teaching through Daniel now and so that was that book was helpful too. Um, I read a book around Christmas time about it was a series of essays about comic books in the Cold War era. And how Cold War themes were represented in Spider-Man and Superman and other ones I'd never heard of before, um, and different themes um, in in those comic books, and uh, that was really fascinating to me. And I had never been a comic book guy, and like I watched the superhero movies, but they're not really my favorites, and so it's not really my thing. But that that book was a really interesting collection of essays, and kind of out of realm of what I usually read, so that was good. The other one is um, called The Stories We Tell Ourselves, which I actually got from my brother-in-law, Taylor, and by Mike Cosper, who's a Gospel Coalition something. He's affiliated with those people. And I, and basically he talked about the, the arc of a biblical worldview, um, creation, fall, mm -hmm. redemption, and mm -hmm. the fourth one, whatever it is. Um, I think it was four. I don't know. Anyway. So there was four in the book, um, the way he split it up, and he he just took popular culture and didn't even like try to make it bend to his thesis. He was like, "You see the fall in this TV show," and he talked for like 20 pages about this show, but it was never like 
I watch the show for research only. You should never see. It was just like I like this show, but you can see the gospel in these characters. So it was very real. You know, it yeah. wasn't. He didn't feel bad for liking TV. You know, when you read this book or whatever. And he said yeah. at the beginning the typical, you know, I'm not condoning everything in these shows, and it's up to you and your conscience, and you know, it's that kind of stuff. But then it was really like he spoke or wrote, I guess, very um, fairly, you know, or yeah. almost neutral, you know, and. Uh, it's so good. It was, it was really, and it wasn't just TV. It was movies and, and maybe some books too, like popular culture books that people would be aware of. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and uh, yeah, it was really good. I actually, I, I don't read a ton of books. I read a handful of books over the past year, but I tend to really like the books that I read. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would probably pick *The Imperfect Disciple* by Jared C. Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a very very well written book and it was that it was that type of book where I read it and I go well shoot um, if I were able to write a book that's the book I would have written only he did it better so <laughs> it really negates the need for me to ever write a book uh, yeah. but no it was very enjoyable yeah awesome um the nice question is is fairly simple uh when it comes back around to me I'll I'll give a longer answer than I should but um Jurassic Park movies, friend or foe, and why? See, we disagree on this. Um, I'm pretty sure, but uh, I, the first one, um, is very formative for me. It was one of the first um, PG-13 movies I ever watched because that was a thing in my household. Was I wasn't really allowed to watch those until maybe I was 11 or 12, or maybe actually after 13. Yeah, I owned it on VHS. Um, which is a big, again, in the 90s, a big deal. I've referenced that several times today, unexpectedly. Um, the front had a hologram cover. It was a black box, and so, like, you know, you turn it, it's like a T-Rex, you know, and, yep. and uh, it scared me every time. I knew it was coming every, every scene, and I still got freaked out. Um, and I haven't loved the sequels. And then the reboot, um, the Chris Pratt, I guess there's yeah. two now, but yeah. uh, the one that I've seen. I just feel like the first one was so excellent. Um, yeah. I haven't enjoyed the three beyond it and then the one I haven't seen yet. And I will see it because Gabriel likes those movies, but uh, yeah. Anyway. It feels like, unnecessary. The first one was like perfect mm -hmm. in my mind as a kid, so I know it's part of his nostalgia. Yeah. So I haven't liked them. I feel like my answer is, is very similar to yours, and yet uh, conclusion is a little different. Um, the first one, like everybody's going to universally agree, that's the that's the one. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the gold standard. Uh, and then the sequels are uh, not necessary, but I think I can I can adapt expectations accordingly, and uh, so even the most recent, not I guess not the most recent one, um, because the one just came out this summer, the one before that, the Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World, yeah, I enjoyed, but I had the expectation of this is just going to be kind of some dumb summer blockbuster fun, and it hit all of those. Um, <laughs> it was in the summer, it was a blockbuster, and it was dumb. Um, <laughs> So you know, but that's that's me with almost any franchise. You know, I recently rewatched Jaws, and Jaws, another Spielberg classic, great movie. And you sit there and go, boy, it didn't need any sequels. But I can enjoy Jaws too, for what it is. It's it's more of a, like a campy movie almost, and, mm -hmm. and that one maybe is a little different because there <laughs> there's no more good even watchable sequels after that to the Jaws franchise. But um, you know, the Jaws two debate. You know, some people can enjoy it knowing that it's not Jaws one. Um, and some people are just annoyed that it isn't Jaws one, but I feel like I can adjust expectations in a franchise as they go on, even if they're not uh, as good as the originals. Yeah. Uh, overall, I'm not 
too different from you guys. So Jurassic Park, the original, might be the best movie ever made, I think. I'm not a film buff like, like you guys are, though. Um, the second one, uh, so the second one, I felt like at least carried the story forward. The third one is by far the worst. It's totally unnecessary. It had no point to the to the overall story. Now the newest ones, I think, uh, at least again, I'll say that I think they carry the story forward, and I think that they're, I think they're entertaining. I also really like Chris Pratt, just for entertainment value. He's he's a good actor. And, sure. And uh, his his he's good for the role that he plays. I think. Um, the hamster balls that drive around in are kind of cool, or, right? It's like a uh, an orb. They are they... cool. I, I sure <laughs> they they're cool, but I they're not a cool part of the movie. I think <laughs> if that makes sense. I've already said I don't like the film. No, I'm I was trying to meet you halfway. So I but I also the one the one and I said my answer might be longer than just yeah I really like them because I do overall I do, um, but I I apparently and this is very odd. So you, I mentioned at the beginning as far as animals go, I don't I don't care. Uh, for I'm not big on going to the zoo. I don't like owning pets. Yeah, the zoos are smelly. I'm with you. I don't um, need them. But I like animal movies. So I like Jaws. I like Jurassic Park. I like Planet yeah. of the Apes. I like King Kong. I like of course, Godzilla. most of those movies, the animals are uh, hazardous. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, and uh, right. exactly. And I don't know if that mat, if that factors in. But those are some of my those types of movies are some of my favorite. Movies, so that like monster animal movies. Yeah, I guess so. Or I guess whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yes. Or whatever. Plan the humanity. Apes is. Yeah. Where, yeah. Interesting. God, we should do a whole podcast on Plan the yeah. Apes sometimes, but not now. We don't have not time now. for that. But um, you need to refresh my memory. The second one's called The Lost World. Yeah. Yes. Um, Third one's just called Jurassic Park Three. Right. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, that's the level of creativity that <laughs> yeah. went into that one. Yeah. Is Sam yeah. Neill in it? He is. He's in the third. Richard Attenborough. Um, I, no, know, I don't think he's so. not. It's yeah. uh, is Sam Neill in the second one? He, no, Goldblum's but, no, no, but Goldblum is. Yes. So is they kind Goldblum of, in the third one? No. no. So again, it's there's very much inconsistency. Laura Dern. The, yes the, and no. She literally phones in her performance. I think that's true. <laughs> She's on the phone. She's on in the, the phone th- in the third one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it, but yeah, I, I think she is on camera at her house. But the main part she plays that's is so over the funny. phone. He has to call her and. And as as most people already know, even just from the trailers, Goldblum is in the is in the latest one, the fifth one. I'll so be, I'll be it briefly. Have you seen it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Took the boys on opening day. Boys are big fans. Have they seen the first one? They've seen all of them. Okay. Yeah. Did it freak them out? They're young. Uh, you watch. know, I think I think they. Um, it's a scary movie. It is. Or suspenseful, I guess. I'm probably a terrible parent, but that's not yeah, what I'm getting parent. at. Great parent. But um, that's they. Not what I'm at. No, no, no. I they uh, they are much more <laughs> seasoned movie watchers at their age than I was until maybe ten years ago. <laughs> so uh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, you know, yeah, they they liked it. Uh, Actually, this most recent one, I, I, seriously, we went on the very first... Well, okay, so we didn't go opening night. We went the next Friday when it was open, whatever, whatever the difference is. The point is, that was the first time I ever saw a Jurassic movie uh, in the theater. Okay, oh. well, that I mean, that's... There's something to be said about that. And it was cool like, to take the boys, because yeah. they were ready for it, too. And for it was, sure. Uh, and it was, it, you know, not that the other ones aren't, but it's very action-packed, uh, you know. Well, that's cool. That that I like that element of bringing in. Uh, Caveman is younger than your your kids, yeah, yeah. but uh, 
he cried watching Phineas and Ferb not too long ago. So I, we gotta be careful with what he can watch. I don't know if he's, yeah. um, he's again, he's young. That was also a little while ago. Honestly. I think you should just show him room. Just throw him in the deep end. <laughs> just, this is gonna blow your mind. <laughs> um, Honestly, what's more, uh, I don't know about concerning, cause I don't, I don't say it's a trend now, but I've, I've caught some of the language my boys have <laughs> fallen into. So it's more the language. That's another podcast for that's, another time. That's awesome. And it's uh, not is constant. That, is it's that just, the movies or is that Uncle Josh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just actually kidding. did let Caveman see the first Harry Potter film this okay. summer because he read the first book. And yeah. He's going to read one a year because they do get progressively more like dark and mature. Yeah. yeah. So like we're you know, but, so, he, but he'll like, mature along with he, them. Is yeah. He like can watch it again. Yeah. All, all I want to do is watch Harry Potter. Uh, okay. Um, a band or musician you'd like to see live but have not. So, and I'll even go if they're dead. Like if you know, just to make it more interesting. Right. Um, you know, there's a time in my life when I would have answered this question with probably like a, a hard rock band or, you know, my answer probably would have been like Rage Against the Machine because like, oh, that concert would just be crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting older and uh, in a wild crowd like that just, just is not the appeal that it maybe once was. Um, so I'm sitting here thinking like, Maybe it'd be cool to catch a, a concert by the Civil Wars if they were still performing together. You know, nice and laid back, really enjoyable music, just a just a mellow night. Yeah, that's a crowd you're not really fighting um, mosh pits with or whatever. Exactly, Maybe and in the bathroom line. Or and let's be honest, if you're gonna uh, accidentally fall in love with somebody at a concert, what a what a great <laughs> atmosphere yeah, to make that happen. That's a good answer. Uh, so, man. I'm so pathetic. I'm pathetic in in a lot of ways. In this instance, it's because I object to that. Uh, yeah. Totally. Mu- musically, I've uh, well, anybody I ever would have cared to see in concert, I probably have. Which is saying something. It also means my list is very short and my music is not very broad. But um, man. See, this is again where I I could have been a lot more romantic if I if I liked music and could have taken you know Brandon to some concerts or something. Um, yeah, I listened to Dave with you guys because I knew you like really like Dave, and I've never seen Dave, so there. It's a great show. I hear it's a great show. I'd be happy to take you. I uh, assume that they're still. Playing shows, yeah, yeah, going strong. That's sure they're old. Now. When's it's, it's really funny? But when's the last one, or when's the last time that you went to one? Yeah, you used to go fairly regularly. I went every summer for like it was going to be like my summer thing. So uh, yeah, um, so like oh eight or something like that. Years. Yeah, it's been a while. So it went pretty consistently, and then it's been a while. Um, yeah, that'd be really fun. My dad's been to two. I hated them both. <laughs> one, because we were supposed to go, Drew and Gabriel and Michael Haynes and I were going to go to our first one ever the summer we got out of high school. And Michael um, backed out the day before, um, so we had an extra ticket. And because we were young, younger, uh, and Dad didn't want me driving in Atlanta traffic, I guess. It was in Atlanta. And Drew were going to pick up Drew at Georgia Tech and go. So Dad came with us, took us to dinner, was really kind. And then he went to his day concert. He had no 
inkling of wanting to be at and just and they're like three hours long you know and we were in the lawn so we didn't have chairs and we were all you know 17 or 18 and having the time of our lives and i felt bad for him and then uh, another time in- so uh, i just want to say basically he was like us at the lecrae performance oh, at gosh. the atlanta hawks yes. game <laughs> yes. all the kids were excited and we were sitting there grumpy old men it's yes, late at night exactly um <laughs> but he did but he hit it better than we i think tried to or me i certainly didn't have a good attitude about that um and he did it another time too because uh, the band he wanted to see was playing before dave and so he watched them and then sat through dave uh, but uh, mine quickly would be rich mullins um Christian singer-songwriter who died in a car accident in the mid-90s, um, who one of my favorite uh, musicians and um, a really neat guy to have known um, in the Christian music industry. He was certainly different, and I like that about him. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be one of those things where when, when you answer this, I'm going to say, of course, of course, uh, but just because I, I tend to forget these things, name a couple of songs that he's known for. Um, awesome God is like the one that people have that's the most commercial I guess you know um, um, there's this song about a screen door in a submarine which is kind of tongue in cheek from James it's a catchy little song um, there's a song called Creed which is like the Apostles Creed but set to music and he he played piano and guitar but his the coolest thing was like the dulcimer like that you sit oh, yeah, behind yeah. and so like he was super good at that and so a lot of his songs included that um, and then I think I've never seen Bruce Springsteen, and I heard that he's like a legend to see. And I, I don't even know three of his songs. I, mean, I could, I wouldn't know anything he was playing probably. But he just is one of those guys that's been around forever, and people I rave about, you know, Bruce. And I think that would be cool just to say. Another one is U2. I'm not even a huge. Yeah, it was okay. They're, but like the experience, apparently, it's just one of those you have to do. So I think if I got a chance to see Bruce or U2, I would go just because then you could say you did it and. Um, so that's good. Right, I'm going to ask this question. Uh, is based a little bit on the fact that uh, I'm going to be teaching some things uh, this year and and possibly even coaching a, a new sport I've never coached. Uh, and so my question is, if you could coach or teach one thing new, in other words, that you've never coached or taught before, what's something that you would like to try your hand at? I did that sense of preposition. I'd like to reward it. Can I do that? What's something at which you would like to try your hand? Does that work better? One of those classes is going to be English. That's why I do correct myself. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, so I would I would not mind to I would not mind to coach um, um, I always say I don't know anything about football other than from a fan's perspective. I think coaching football would be kind of fun just because I, I appreciate a lot about the sport. But I, I honestly don't – like I've never played it. I have no experience. I also wouldn't mind coaching golf because I feel like I do know a few things about it, mostly how not to play it. Plus maybe you get to play a lot of free golf. And then I get to play a lot yeah. of free golf. Uh, I, would, I would like to teach um, something like uh, – Greek and Hebrew, like languages, biblical languages, to people who really were serious about learning them. That'd be good. Do you feel like you have a sense in your mind of how you would teach it? Would it just be just, would you just model it after the classes that you had or the teachers you had, or do you have a different way in mind that you think um, you would teach it? Not that well, you need to go into a whole syllabus, yeah. but. No, I I would, um, obviously I do, I do think textbooks are out there for a reason because other people have tried a lot of ways to do it and have figured out good ones that work. So I, I would use a textbook 
Um, I probably would teach vocabulary different than most do because I know that I, for me, learning vocabulary was not necessarily difficult. Some, in some cases, vocabulary is easier than grammar, but um, I probably would teach vocabulary different just because um, so you have to learn parts of speech anyway. Yeah. So I would I would make sure that as you I would I would probably teach vocabulary um, based on parts of speech. I don't even know. If so that makes more sense. blended way than doing them kind of separate. You try to mix them together more. Maybe I mean I would rely pretty heavily on a textbook that somebody else has yeah. done that I've been through and have have learned from myself so that I could teach somebody else the way that I learned. But the way that I learned vocabulary was different than the way the textbook taught it. So I guess I would. That's that's where the combination would come in. So I don't know if I have a, I don't I didn't enjoy coaching baseball. I mean I, I had some fun times. We had some decent teams, but I think I don't have the itch to get back out there with the squad. I maybe bowling. Not again. Not that I'm good at bowling because I really am not. But I think it would be fun mm -hmm. to learn how to be teach to teach someone how to develop their own skills, like, like a golf or like a tennis type yeah. of thing. You know, yeah. um, because if someone was serious about it, they could really get pretty good pretty quickly yeah. you know it's a low low skill is the wrong phrase you have to have skills I don't really know um, how I would even say that and you might get to bowl a lot like when when um, you know when we played bowling on the, in high school on the team we bowled all the time yeah. and that was really fun um, math I love math um, so I would love to teach algebra 1 to 8th and ninth graders which I kind of did in summer school but it was more like they worked at their own pace they answered their questions they were like playing lessons and you know and then I would love to do like a class on films, and again, it's not because I am an expert, but like helping kids watch movies critically and what to look for beyond just you know the actor they like or whatever, um, or literature, how to how to appreciate books. You know, kids like you know like an ideal setting, fifteen kids who like to read and will read what you give them and will discuss when you ask. You know, like the ideal classroom. You know, um, yeah, literature and math for sure. Yeah, and as I said, I asked that because I'm likely getting to do both those things this year or possibly with the sport. Uh, it's possible that our school is going to get soccer and I'll be able to do it as an assistant. And that's something I actually think I'd really enjoy. Uh, I played soccer through middle school and then obviously have followed soccer uh, going to a college where soccer was our best sport. My brother playing soccer in college and coaching it uh, at a college. Uh, I feel like I know just enough about soccer. I feel comfortable to assist in coaching it. Like you with football, I don't know it well enough to just... Uh, jump in and, and do everything, but I think that would be fun. I've obviously enjoyed coaching basketball, but soccer would be a, a unique one. And then uh, I actually think I'm going to get an opportunity to teach math classes. Most people associate me with English because I like writing, uh, and I do like English, but I think math is more fun to, to, to teach. And I, I laugh uh, thinking how I would just copy uh, my math teacher, Mr. Fortenberry, and you would go in and just say, here's how you do these problems. You do a couple examples on the board, then you assign some practice ones in the book, and then you walk out of the room for 30 minutes. Um, I don't know check what I'll do. Stocks. Yeah, that's, he, he went to check stocks. Stock. I don't yeah. know what I'll do. I don't have stocks. <laughs> I don't have a, you to get a stock. Just so you I don't exactly check. have a diversified portfolio, you know what I mean. Um, my investments are a loaf of bread and some turkey meat so I can eat for the week, um, <laughs> and then I hope it lasts. So you can go check that in the kitchen. But... Uh, I just, I don't know, I think teaching math like that would be kind of fun, and then coming back and saying, how are you guys progressing, how can I help you out with that, um, so I, I think I'll enjoy that. <clears throat> yep. Uh, last one on my list, um, 
what has what has been the most uh, worldview shaping thing since we last had this talk? So uh, that could be a I've already talked some about books, but it could be a book you've read, it could be a sermon you've heard, uh, it could be a life experience, it could be um, uh, you know a class you've taken if you if you've done something like that, a trip you've gone on. When did we last do this? Do well, know? it's been at least three at years. At least three years, yeah. Since I moved to Illinois, so. Okay. Dead air, dead I'll tell you what, I'll air. give you a moment to think about it, because I think I have my answer. Okay. Uh, I and as I, as I talk it out, maybe it won't be as profound as it, as it seems in my head, but I think because the last few years have really been my first uh, foray into into teaching, uh, the thing I've had to learn is how to help people by not trying to solve problems for them and do things for them, the ability to let people fail and grow, but how to also still have influence. You know, how do you, how do you let them take the full responsibility for things on their own and yet also help them? How do you step into shape? And I think also understanding just how that is, is a, a biblical model. You know, I was reading a book, um, I was talking about how God let Adam and Eve fail. He put them in the garden. He put them with circumstances where he could fail, and he just allowed them to fail. He didn't step in and interfere in that way. Now, did he help them? And obviously, he gave them a path towards uh, restoration. But you know, he's like, the point was, if God himself, if God didn't do it, mm-hmm. why would we expect that we're going to be able to control and, and help everybody through everything? You had to give people room to fail. So I think I've always been the type that. Uh, a little bit more of a know, know-it-all than I would like to be. Uh, you know, I, I know academically I don't have all the answers, but sometimes I would think and act like it. And so knowing how to, to, to let go of that desire to fix and solve everything, and, but also not give up on influence and learning how to balance the two. That's a really good answer. I think mine would be becoming an administrator at school. Uh, part-time administrator uh, at a assistant level so it's not a lot of pull but it's different than being a full-time teacher and uh, having to um, be responsible for students and teachers whereas before it was just students you know and that um, when they had issues and complaints and that that's put me in some really awkward positions um, some meetings and with parents and staff that were pretty tough and having to kind of put your professional hat on and, and keep a straight face which I don't you know I don't have a good poker face and so I had to grow up some I think you know and and you kind of learn you know you know more than you need to know sometimes when you're behind the closed doors and what you should or shouldn't share and that can be a discerning as a discernment thing so uh, and now I'm shifting to the lower school which I don't know anything about and uh so we'll see how that goes, but I think the lessons will carry over, you know, it's just smaller students, you know. But. Yeah. Um, there's a few I could talk about for myself, I think. Um, in a lot of ways, my um, certain things about my job have either changed or adapted at least. Um, had another child. Um, 
transitioning into a new career. But I think probably the the biggest uh, shaper I think it was uh, was getting a doctorate was doing those classes and having to do the projects and the reading and the writing and the interaction with other students and interaction with the profs and uh, you know having to um, kind of doing it from a distance but also having to go to campus every so often and having that experience um, I don't I, it's it's one of those things that like looking back I feel like three years ago I I must not have known anything like I feel like everything I've learned I've learned in the last three wow. years that is particularly interesting to me I'm sorry to interrupt you but I was uh, literally just a couple of days ago eating lunch with my dad and telling him that I said you know David got his doctorate and I said I don't think of him any differently now that he's a doctor and I said I don't mean that to, to downplay the significance of a doctorate but I just always thought of David as doctorate smart you know, these, I, I don't sit there think, well, David's smart now because he has the right. doctorate. Yeah. It's like right. now he just has the, the title that's always gone along with it's how smart official. he is. Yeah. yeah. And for to hear you say that, you feel like it actually, you know, not the the doctorate itself made you smart, but the the whole process. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. The experience. I mean, so I, yeah, there's just, there's things that I, uh, there's ways that I think about things that I don't know that I would have ever changed the way I thought about him without having done that. And I, I feel as though I, the, the better for it. So mm. that is really interesting. I know we have a, another question from you, Nathaniel, but I just want to point out, this is one of the reasons that I love you guys so much, um, that here we are in our, in our basically mid thirties and uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. still, I'm a Chris 32. <laughs> <laughs> you child, almost mid thirties, early to mid thirties, <laughs> and uh, but still, um, I, I would say not just even willingly, but uh, anxiously, still learning, still still growing as individuals. Um, honestly, I I kind of have to because I I'm just late to growing up in general. I think, um, but you guys, uh, I think, you guys were were really well-rounded adults uh, in your early 20s and yet you still progress and so I really admire that about you guys mm -hmm. um, so I do have one more yeah do you have any more for this I could but let's end on yours if as long as you think yours is a good ender I don't know well let's do it and then if we feel like it's <laughs> this is where we start improvising I still want to ask it but yeah I 100% want you to Plus, ask that it was then. a really good one uh, to, uh, was really this is what happens when, yeah, when you when you don't go over them beforehand yeah. Uh, okay, so um, I had to end on one that speaks to kind of the way I think about things. Um, <clears throat> if you could pick one event in history that you could be a fly on the wall and not have participated in, but were there to see it, almost like a time-traveling thing, um, to go back and, and view it from all angles, you could get full access to whatever it is happening and then come back to 2018 and have that knowledge and experience and context. Um, what would it be? I feel like maybe I'm not going to answer this quite to the to the realistic uh, parameters of the question because what I always think of, I would like to to know more about historically. Uh, maybe if I was on fly on the wall, I wouldn't actually see anything. But uh, when when the Apostle Paul was first blinded on the road to Damascus, and then he spent a couple of days before he was restored to his sight and started his mission. I always said I would love to just be inside his head and know what that was like because he was such a 
highly educated individual. Mm -hmm. And so once reality was, you know, once the light switch went on, I would say he had nothing to do but sit around for a couple of days and just have all of the, the caverns of knowledge in his head just illuminated one after another, like, oh, so that means that this is really what that passage was talking about. And that means this, and almost like mm -hmm. relearning everything he knew with this new, uh, you know, twist on it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, as a fly on the wall, obviously he's probably not thinking these things out loud, but I, that's always the historical thing. Like, I want to know more about what was it like in Paul's head for those couple of days as he's relearning all the lessons that he's learned, uh, just like dominoes. See, right? Yeah. So he's got as nothing else to know, do, but yeah. sit there and, and contemplate. That's a good answer. That is good. Um, I, I well, I say recently, I guess um, the past uh, couple of years there's been, I think, a right amount of emphasis, or a, a right amount of large emphasis on uh, the Protestant Reformation since it's, uh, it was 500 years ago last fall that we kind of acknowledged that it began. So I don't know if I could pick one event out of that. But um, I think that would have been a neat, maybe um, five to ten year window to oversee things like Luther's conversion and his uh, the teaching he did kind of before he nailed his theses to the wall. And then in doing that, the aftermath of that, and then his relationships with uh, some of the other very early reformers. Like Calvin, and even Calvin's, uh, you know, willingness to kind of like just live um, privately, and um, he only really got well known because somebody recognized he was very gifted and said, "You need to come to Geneva and be a pastor." And he was like, "I don't want to have to interact with people. I want to write and be left alone." But he was so compelled by the invitation and the Lord obviously working on him to do that, to, that he, that he went there and, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. Story. So like, it's interesting. so all that to kind of be around and sort of see how the temperature of Christianity, especially in that part of the world and in that era changed from, uh, all the things we enjoy now as products of that, whether we realize it or not, how all of that would have come about, obviously over a long period of time. So that's not, again, I'm sort of cheating on that answer, uh, that it's not one event, but that time period to see how that would have played out, uh, at least at least on the uh, on the large scale, mm -hmm. would, be, would be pretty cool to me. I think this is my answer is surprising myself, but I think I would pick uh, D-Day, June of 1944, yeah. on the beaches of France, because I don't really like military history. I, and I don't have a strong connection to the army. Uh, I don't have a lot of family there. I never had the interest in joining the services or whatever. And I don't know much about like weapons and um, strategy and acronyms and the army, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that that would give me a more sympathetic, empathetic ear towards that segment of history, which I kind of almost gloss over when I teach because I just don't get it. But also, if you could find a way <clears throat> to live through that and bring that to present day, you know, because um, <clears throat> it's probably, you know, you could debate it, I guess. Um, it's a, a fun history, one of the most important days in the 20th century because if it had gone a different direction, then who knows what would have happened. And, and so I think 
to sit on one of those boats and have the flaps, you know, splash onto the into the waves, and then the, like the sounds, you know, and and the smells. Um, I just think that would be pretty life-altering because I have nothing like that. You know, I remember hearing about when Saving Private Ryan came out and veterans of Normandy would go and see it, which is amazing. They would even want to do that, and they would just cry and cry, and then, like, when it would be over, they would just sit and they couldn't move, you know, because they survived it and their friends didn't and the guilt, you know, and the and that was, I don't know, it would have been, like, almost 60 years after it happened when that movie came out, basically. And, you know, how fresh that was, I have nothing like that in my life. But I don't want to have a ghastly experience like that, but I don't nothing that's stirring either, you know. Um, so I think that's probably what, what I would say. All right, if I may, I think I do have one more question, and hopefully we can be very brief with this. Um, and I, I think I'm mainly teeing this one up for, for David, but it's been three years since we did this. I don't necessarily want it to be that long before we do it again, but let's, brief prediction, uh, just something that's different about your life three years from now. What do you, what do you see in changing? And I, David's got an obvious change coming ahead, so. I don't much of anything. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've, I think Lord willing, we'll be in, we'll be living in another country. We'll be um, raising our family in another country, and um, hopefully have other people join us over there to do that, to work and uh, work at a in a school and church setting. So not too different setting wise from here. Still want to teach and preach and and uh, you know train others to do the same. So, but just do it in a different part of the world where it's in my opinion, much more, much more needed in the in the sense that it's uh, it's much less available over there. Yeah, there's not already a church on every corner. Correct. Yeah. Um. Well, I I hate change, <laughs> <laughs> so I hope zero things are different <laughs> about my life. <laughs> Perhaps a, uh, you know, a little, a little slimmer, maybe. Um, couldn't couldn't hurt me be a little trimmer um but um i like my job and i think gabriel is happy where she is and in three years caveman will be almost a middle schooler so that maybe i mean he'll be the youth group age and you know adolescence and all that so that'll be way different um or getting getting to that sale will be coming into school uh, k4 k5 so i think that'll be i'll have two full-fledged school age kids you know i think so Maybe you'll go back to seasoning off fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a tricky... Or picking the coleslaw instead of the... Oh. Right. Mayonnaise is the worst. And it's cabbage and mayonnaise. I don't know why I would... Three years from now, I see myself living in Boston, married, four or five kids. Um, you know, just living the dream. Fisherman, probably. <laughs> None of that will probably happen. I just actually, I hope three years from now... Um, that I, honestly, I hope I'm, I'm good at my job. Even if I, I imagine maybe the same job I have right now, but three years into learning how to be a teacher and and work with high school kids, uh, you know, been learning more every year. And um, not that I feel so much that I'm I'm bad at the job, but every year I end and go, okay, I can be better next year. So I hope I'm I'm good at good at my job. Let's not wait three years to do this again. Also, the podcasting. We yes, surely we can. Figure that out. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, everybody who joined us for this hour and a half long podcast. But I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't have wanted it to be any shorter with these guys. We had three years to make up, so half an hour per year um, seems fair to me. That's the end. <laughs>